Hi there. Thanks for tuning into the Career Change Pro podcast. I'm your girl Ola, and I'll be speaking or having career conversations with amazing trailblazers, people daring to be all that they can be. We'll be discussing the failures, the successes, and the pivotal moments. So you can expect to be inspired, have a mindset shift, and gain tools and practical resources to find the careers you love and make a difference where you live. So tune in. Here we go. Today, we are going to be talking to Ajoke. She is the founder and CEO of the Conversion Academy, and she is a digital marketing expert and a serial entrepreneur. Hi, Ajoke. Once again, thank you very much for coming for our podcast today. We're really excited to have you here. Um, like I said, I've listened to you a couple of times on other people's platform. I've actually gone through one of your programs before and I must say that I'm always impressed by the things that you produce and the things that you um, give out so quick off quick question right off the bat how did we get here how did we get to earning four figures in one week from being a 95er tell us a little bit Oh, wow, that's a big question. First of all, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for having me. It's my honor, my privilege, everything. Um, So let me see, where do I start from? Well, I think it's just, the thing is, I mean, people sort of assume that, you know, getting to, let me give you an example, getting to four figures is like maybe one huge, maybe you have to do so many different things, or you have to try out so many new, you know, so many different marketing tactics, but I'll say that it's actually just very, um, maybe three or four simple things. The first one will be um, having a really deep understanding of my audience, right? The second one will be, you know, really leveraging on ads, right? And I could talk about that a bit more later. The third one will be delivering value, you know, delivering because the people who come into your world, if they are not getting the value that they come in for, then of course that creates more enemies in quotes than, you know, more potential buyers for you. So I've had students who literally, after going through my programs, they literally drag their friends to come and experience the same thing that they've experienced simply because they not only realize the value they were looking for, but they realize so much more than that for themselves, right? So those are three key things that I would, I would say took me from, you know, from just being a regular nine to five hour with only my salary to actually getting to the point where I earn four figures a week. Okay, so let's um, touch a little bit about that before we go into what you do now and the ads and all of that. Let's yeah. talk about the journey. So you were a nine to fiver. And I know you've, yeah. told, you've said the story before, but yeah. I think it's pertinent to just say it again for the people that are in the audience. You started yeah. off as a nine to fiver. At what point did you say, this isn't working? I need to do something else. Or was it a case of this is working, but it's not bringing in enough? Or was it... I'm seeing a bigger picture. I really want to do something else and I want to leave this job. What did you, when did you realize you needed to do something different and what did you do to make it work? Tell us a little bit about the story. Okay. Um, so I would say that first of all, my journey into business in general wasn't necessarily about maybe discontent with my job or, you know, just feeling like, well, let me try, um, supplement my income because when I started out my journey in fact my career story is it's pretty it's not it's not necessarily like conventional conventional because I never really had to look for a job like right out of school got an internship at a really good company then like maybe a year later after NYC I got a more permanent position there so financially I was doing fine but the thing about it is that right from university I was always interested in doing business. Like for me, spotting business opportunities is just, I don't know how to explain it, but like I'm literally feeling excited talking about it now. Starting a new business for me is so exhilarating. I enjoy it. So in school, I did all kinds of businesses like printing, hairstyling, makeup selling, clothes selling. I've actually, there was a time where I would go to 
Abar to buy clothes, to buy materials, make the clothes. Abar is a place in Nigeria that is regarded as a hub for like, you know, economic activities and all that, you know. So I would then take the clothes that I've made, take them to school and sell at, at a significant, you know, markup. And for me, you know, business was it. So when I started working, it was still that same, you know, spirit of, oh, I find an opportunity and I'm like, why not? Mm-hmm. And I go for it, right? So that's how I, I started a few businesses before I actually started my first serious online business, which was an animation business. My second online business was um, another kind of business, but it was still a coaching business around setting up systems, automation and all that. Then my third online business was actually career coaching. So um, this content, I was doing all of this on the side while still doing my nine to five, just that I wasn't taking any of it seriously because I didn't really need the money from it. I would just do it just because you know it was interesting, for me it was exciting, and I got to help people at the same time make some extra money on the side. But I think about maybe two to three years into my my job, I began to feel that sense of discontent, like this can't be everything. You know, I had this grand plan in my mind that I was going to work in a nine to five for like 10 years before I finally decided to start my business. So when I began to feel this sort of really, really heavy discontent and um, a very strong sense of this cannot be everything that my life has to offer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, feeling like you're stuck in your rut. And I mean, I hadn't even worked for up to five of those 10 years I said I wanted to work for. So, <laughs> so it didn't make sense that I was feeling that way, but I knew that I wanted to do more and I wanted to try something else. So I began to take my business a bit more seriously because I mean, for not just me, for even when I, tr- when I tried to tell my talk to my family about quitting. Everybody was like, quits to do what? You know, all those things that come with, um, come with sort of pushing back to say, don't just quit if you don't have a plan, right? I mean, I, I went through my own fair share of lessons around, you know, transitioning from nine to five to doing a business. But one of the very biggest indicators for me was the fact that to make your business work, you must treat it like more than just a side hustle. Yeah. Right, you must treat it like more than just a side hustle, which is why when around the time when I got so I got a job at part of my drive to sort of experience new things and try new things, I moved from like traditional um being an in-house HR person to HR consulting. And then I got a job at a big four, so one of the PWCs and um, um, sorry, uh, KPMGs of the world. So I got a job at one of them. And it was on the island. So previously I had had been living in Lagos mainland and this job I got was on the island. So part of my drive to want to take my business seriously, I knew it would cost me more, but for me, the, it was a non-negotiable. Like I couldn't see myself spending like two hours in traffic just to get to work, then work for another eight hours and then get into maybe two to three hours of traffic to get home. By then, like five hours of my life is gone, right? So I decided that, you know what, I was going to move to the island, even though it would cost me more for a smaller place. And with that, I, I bought myself like a world of time, right? Yeah. I bought myself a lot of time that I was now able to invest into my business. And that then helped me produce the kind of success that I was comfortable enough to say, you know what, I've experienced this enough. I, I want to, you know, be on my own. So that was really it. Okay, so picking up, I'm going to almost dissect everything you said so far. So picking up from there, for the people listening right now, a lot of us have time on our hands. And when I mean time, I mean Mm. that some of us are working from home or now have the ability to work from home because of the pandemic. Absolutely. So from based on, you've, you've experienced it right now, if there is somebody that's a nine to fiver on listening either on YouTube or on the podcast now, what would you say, what kind of um, side hustles or businesses would you say just off the top of your head would be the kind of things a person should think of doing to maximize the time right now? I mean, for me, it's, it's almost a no brainer, right? Cause if you're in a nine to five 
position where you are allowed to work from home, you are most likely a knowledge worker. So that means you're not in the factory, you know, just pushing things through a machine. You don't have to stand for hours to serve customers at a restaurant. Even when, the, the truth is that even in those, even if you were in those types of jobs, you still have some knowledge that you build as a result of your exposure and the kind of work that you do, right? But I'm saying that the bulk of your work is really around analyzing scenarios, making decisions, um, you know, analyzing data and all of that mm -hmm. and and making plans planning right so if if you have the privilege of working from home you're a knowledge worker and that means that you have exposure to so many things um, that have to do with that you can turn into a consulting business you can turn into a coaching business you can absolutely turn into an online course business so those are like you can turn into a community. So like those are things that you can do right from the comfort of your home without disrupting your nine to five, um, your nine to five job, right? So, I mean, off the top of my head, those are things that you want to do. And of course, you definitely want to look at, okay, how does this align with who I am? Mm -hmm. And how can I, how can I, how can I choose a niche that really does not only reflects the kind of knowledge that I have to share, but it's also really profitable because really when you begin to see the money coming in, you get more encouraged to keep doing what you're doing. So, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think to add to that list, you can also freelance. Freelance. It's so easy to freelance nowadays. I think. 100%. Yeah. Absolutely right. You're right about that. You can yeah. freelance, yeah. yeah. But you know, the thing about freelancing is always the thing around conflict of interest. So let's say you're an accountant at, the, at a company and you know you now begin to offer accounting services to people on the side i don't know but the companies that i worked for in the past you have to declare that you're yeah. doing so yeah you have to declare yeah absolutely the... so you're right when, but when i think about freelance in that respect i'm more, i'm thinking more of you're an accountant and you're really super good at excel you can freelance okay. doing the excel bit for that makes absolute sense yeah. Or somewhere, or you're very good at creating slides, presentations. You'd be surprised how how many people actually need that help. You're yeah, right. In presentations fact, can be <laughs> absolutely. You know, recently I have a done for you client who, so she had sent me because um part of the work that my done for you that I do for my done for you clients is that mm -hmm. I teach them how to do their webinars and all that, be including their funnel. Mm -hmm. So she had sent me her slides for the webinar. So she had gone through my webinar lesson. You know, she had done her slides. When she sent it to me, I didn't like how it looked at all. So, you know, I told her, you know what, because she was such an enthusiastic client and because, you know, when, when you have a client who is responding so well, you don't really want to sort of dim their like say dull their shine or something like that you don't want to dampen their spirits yeah. so i told her you know what dump all the words on this slide for me i'll help you do it when i did the slides for her, she was like no i okay please do all my slides I'm like, sorry <laughs> <laughs> sorry but that's not what i do sorry but she was just like no you have to but yeah absolutely right absolutely right how do you know when it's time to quit a business when do you because people will start hmm. that's very okay yeah i just mm -hmm. i'm just thinking people will start businesses and it's not going well do you give it a time frame is it when no money is coming in when do you know enough is enough i need to move on mm. Mm -mm. you're right um i mean so that's like i mean there are a variety of reasons why Oh, I do like say there are a variety of reasons that would justify you moving on from a business. I'm not a believer in die I mean, there's there's a time to like <laughs> there's a time to like give your all and all of that. But for me, before I before I will bullishly, you know, will I say literally put everything I have, not, I'll put everything I have into a business here, but before I will bullishly, despite the challenges, despite the lack of results, you know, really just hang everything I have on the line for that business. There are a few things that I have to have seen in that business for me to want to keep staying there. But on the other hand, what would justify quitting a business and moving on? There are a few things. One can be that the business no longer serves your lifestyle. 
you know, let's say you start out freelancing, you know, you're offering your service to people, but at a point you realize that you can't keep, like, if you were to look at the economics of it, you can't scale that business literally because it really depends and revolves around you. And let's say you're moving into a phase of your life where maybe you're moving cities, you're, um, you're maybe planning to have kids, you know, and a few things like that. And you feel like, you know what, I want something that sort of frees my time a bit more. So you decide to look at something that sort of spins off naturally from what you were doing before. Rather than doing it for people, you can start to start teaching people how to do things by themselves. So that's an example of when it's okay to, to pivot, right? Um, another thing would be that you're just not inspired by it anymore, right? Um, I give you an example. So when I was doing when I was doing animation and a lot of that not being inspired by it, a lot of it can sort of come from where, how you started that business in the first place. If I give an example, when I moved on from my animation business, really, I mean, I was getting clients, but I mean, with each order I got, I grew tired. There was this tiredness I felt inside of me from just doing, it felt like I was doing the same thing over and over again. And it got me really weary, right? That was one reason why I stopped that business. Even though, yes, the money was good, but the fact that every time I got a new client, I didn't feel excited. It just felt like I was starting this grind all over again. Mm-hmm. I just knew it was time to move on. So that's another example of when it's okay to just, you know, move on. Another reason can be that you're not experiencing any success. And when you look around you, look around you, both far and near, you can't see anybody who's doing the same business and making it a success, right? There's something to be said of, in fact, yesterday I was talking to a potential client and she was telling me she was trying to describe what she wanted to do but it sounded so vague I couldn't really I couldn't really connect to what she was trying to say but she when I when I spoke to her a bit more I realized that she was scared of doing something that seemed like that looked like it was something other people were doing she really wanted to stand out but the problem with that was in a bit to want to stand out she began to create this product or this service that was so confusing that I was too sure that the person who she's trying to her target audience will not understand what she's trying to say. And actually, that was the problem of my second business. The one you can't even remember the name. (laughs) (laughs) It was a business automation. Like I was, I really wanted to, because I was so good with, I was so good with apps. I was so good with, you know, automation. I was doing it well in my work. So in the office, part of what helped me free up time was that I would automate some parts of my work that were really manual. Mm -hmm. So I thought, wow, a lot of business owners will actually need this thing that, you know, I do for myself so well, you know, and for me, that was instantly a business opportunity. But I struggled with communicating the value I was offering to people. Like when somebody asked me, I said, okay, what do you do? And that's what I quit. My first job that I quit, that's what I quit it for. So when somebody asked, okay, I said, okay, you're leaving this job. What are you going to do next? I start talking, 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 talking. <laughs> oh, it's business automation here. They say, what is that really? You know? <laughs> and actually, when I looked around me, there was nobody who was offering the same service that I wanted to offer. It was, this, it was something that people couldn't relate with. So when you find yourself in a market where you're struggling to describe what you offer, you're struggling to make sales because that's really why you're not making sales because you can't, the the people who need your service, you are not able to effectively reach them because they can't relate to what you're talking about. Then you also, you can't, when you look around, you can't find anybody because in your mind, you're so unique. You can't find anybody who's doing what you're doing, who is making it a success. And even when you look far, so let's say you look, the you to the other markets that are a bit more ahead of ours right you look to the us look to the uk you can't identify any mentors who are doing the same thing and making it a hit then for me that's a serious red flag if you've not if you've not been able to turn it into a success in a specified amount of time then that's an indication that um you should move on from that business after giving it a good try of course there are times when you turn such very unique businesses into a success but if you give it a try an honest genuine try and it doesn't work out i think i think that it's okay after a few months i I will personally not take that off for years you know Mm. but it's okay to you know ask yourself what else can i do and what can i do differently 
good, yeah. good advice. Thank you. That's really helpful. Okay. Um, let's talk a little bit about ads. And what okay. I want to ask is, before you get into the nitty gritty of it, because I know you're a guru on it. Um, you have a business. You, you've started a small business. You're just trying to make it work. And you've started and everybody tells you that ads is the way. When do you start thinking about ads? Is it at the beginning? Do you need to have a completely established product? What are the steps somebody needs to go through before they can even think about running running an ad from your based on your opinion? Well, okay, so the thing is there, so it really depends. It depends on a lot of things, right? I mean, I've heard advice like, you know, you should have sold the product to a few people proven the offer before you take it to the market. And well, well, that's that's good advice, but it depends on where you are, right? I've also heard, and I'm going to share what I did personally so that people can have an, an idea of, you know, I've also heard that, I mean, when, you, when you're starting a new business, one of the fastest ways to test that business is to send it straight to strangers who don't have the, the sympathy of buying things from you just because they like you that that can be like the fastest way and i've tried both right what i would say is where possible because not everyone has the luxury of being able to run ads immediately even though ads are really cheap like you could with five dollars a day you can literally um begin to reach new people reach absolute strangers and get them to buy buy from you but the truth is not even everybody has the luxury of being able to afford to spend five dollars a day right if we're honest so the truth is it depends on where you are if you're in a space where you can literally and if you're a nine to fiver trust me you can afford to spend five dollars a day on ads if you're if if you're in a space where you can afford to spend, can afford to put aside $5 a day at least to spend on ads, to test your offer, to learn, because the truth is no money spent on ads is a waste. At the very least, even if you don't make any sales, you learn what not to do next time, right? So you, you invest a bit of money into putting your offer to like a very diverse audience or to people who don't know you. The feeling of having a complete stranger buy from you, someone who never who's never heard about you, someone who doesn't know you from anywhere, buy from you is so amazing and it's so validating of whatever it is you're trying to sell, right? But I'm not going to take away the fact that if you don't have the luxury of that, you know, opportunity to invest $5 every day, then of course the more organic means of you know trying to reach out to people who you think can buy from you personally and maybe using leveraging other organic um, social media platforms for you to be able to promote it get the word out there and build slowly so the difference between both strategies though they are both very valid is that one is much slower than the other so it really depends on you know how much time you have how much resources you have and when you combine all of these factors together, you can decide which, which option will work best for you. Let me, for, for me personally, I realized that when I started my, when I started that business animation business, I did get a client eventually. But, you know, because I went that organic route of, you know, reaching out to people one-on-one, -on -one, um, trying to post about the business online and all of that. I got clients, same thing with my animation business. My animation business, I never ran ads for it. It was all word of mouth. A lot of my colleagues patronized me. Um, people on Instagram as well. I got some patronage from Instagram. But I can tell you that that process was much slower, took much longer than when I started my career coaching business. My career coaching business was my, the first business I had that really did very well. And that was a business that gave me a lot of the experience that I leveraged, of course, in my, in my next business. And that business rise out of the gate. I didn't, I didn't call a meeting with my friends about it. I started running ads right out of the gate for that business. People literally just woke up one morning and started seeing me everywhere on their feeds, right? And I can tell you that that business is significantly better than all the other business that I started before then. That was because I, I invested upfront in it, right? And then worked towards doing the return. So that's my... Hmm. 
Okay, uh, I'm loving how this conversation is going because every time you speak, I have a question ready just because you spoke. <laughs> so <laughs> I hope other people will get a lot of value from this. So yeah. there's another thing people do. They're busy. They don't have enough time to do everything. Some people have of the school of thought that running ads takes time. You have to put in a lot of effort into it. So some people actually pay somebody else to run ads for them. So in your opinion, which is better? Getting someone to run ads for you. So up, uh, on top of the $5 a day, somebody has created a process and is monitoring the ads for you and everything. So you will still pay a lump sum to someone first of all, so you wouldn't just do it because you don't know how. And then you're still paying the Facebook um, um, cost on top of that. Or is it just going to lend it as an to yourself? Hmm. <clears throat> uh, so, I mean, so it really depends, like, it really depends on how much you, how, how much disposable income you have. Do, do you get what I mean? Because of course, the, the, there's always that, there's going to always be that, um, like say tug of war, time over money. So it's all, it's really around how much time do you have to put into this thing? How much money do you have? If the money you have is greater than the time you have, of course, like, <laughs> you know what, invest and get the thing done for yourself, right? Yeah. But even when you invest in getting someone to help you do your ads, I always recommend that at least know the basics because that's how you end up not getting yourself ripped off, yeah. right? And then the thing about it is that when you... <clears throat> When you're going to a business relationship with someone who's supposed to help you run your ads without you, first of all, taking some time to, you know, understand the basics of how Facebook ads work, or even just even trying to run ads yourself at least once just to see what it looks like. There are a few things that 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 gets um, that sort of go wrong, right? The first can be that your expectations become very unrealistic. Maybe you're going to the relationship feeling like, you know what, after two weeks, if my dollars aren't rolling in, then this this person is doing a terrible job. That's one over two. Sometimes in ignorance, people try to insist on what they think is right without really fully leaning on the expert that they have. Mm-hmm. It can also be a danger if you already know the basic and you feel like, oh, no, 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 I know everything. And then you get into the relationship with the person, you're trying to, you know, direct every single step that they take. That can be a problem. So those are two things that you want to watch out for. And then number three would be, you may not even be able to understand like the results that the, the reports that the person shares with you. you, mm-hmm. you if the, all you would look at is, did I make a sale or not? But that that's not the only indicator of whether your ad is doing well. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So those are like a few things. Um, but if you have the time, it's always worth it to invest a little bit of time. It's just the same way. I mean, if you don't have time, you can hire a driver to drive you around, right? But it still makes sense to know how to drive simply because one day your driver can literally stop in the middle of a bridge and walk away from you because because, hey, he's done, you know. But if you know how to drive, you know how to get yourself out of that situation. That's really why I think it's very important for business owners too. But where they can, I always recommend, just start yourself. First of all, you add so much value to the relationship with whoever. Eventually, in the future, of -hmm. course, as you grow your business, you begin to hire people to do things for you. But it helps you add so much value to the relationship because you can make meaningful suggestions. It's just like when I hire people to do design work for me the the person who does my design work when I give him ideas on how to do design for me like when I tell him no why don't you move the text here why don't you do this he's like oh wow because I have like a little bit of a design background I mean I did animation whenever I worked whether um you know as an in-house HR person or as a consultant my slides were always regarded as People come to me, I'm always proud of my slides. Let's just leave it at that. So I have a very keen eye for design. So whenever whenever I give somebody work to do, design work, I'm able to critique it in a meaningful way that doesn't put the person off, but also gives the person very good suggestions on how to improve the work that they've done for me, right? Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes absolute sense. Thank you. Okay, you wanted to tell us a story about um, your personal experience. Tell us a little bit about your business right now. 
and uh, I think and the webinars and the um, offers you have currently going. Oh, let me see. Yeah, so it's quite a lot going on. <laughs> I saw the teaser on your on your Instagram page. So tell us about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, there's quite a lot going on. If I say right now, like right now, right now, I'm preparing to start a five day challenge. So the five day challenge will be coming up sometime later in January. But I think I'll announce it officially. So this is like a the first place I'm talking about it publicly, right? And I don't know when this is going to come out. So <laughs> I hope it comes out before the challenge actually starts. But if it doesn't, of course, there are other things that I would share with you as well that can help people. Yeah. Um, so the challenge is, is a funnel building challenge, actually. So it's going to be a five-day funnel building challenge. It will be later on in January um, this year. And what I'm hoping to do is I'm hoping to help um, people because the thing is a lot of people hear funnel 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 all the time but many people don't actually understand what a funnel is what a funnel can do for them and all of that and many people don't realize that they already have a funnel mm. do you see what i mean yeah so that's something that is coming up um and i'm going to teach people you know of course you already have a funnel but how do you have a funnel that actually does what you want it to do which is get you more customers right so that's coming in the end of january but right now what i'll share with you is i've got two um since we've talked a lot about facebook ads actually let me share with you one of the free trainings that i have on facebook ads so that people can learn a bit more about facebook ads there in that training i talk about some of the mistakes entrepreneurs make when it comes to doing facebook ads then i also share um like some of the things that they can do differently and, and i share a case study as well in that free training so i think it would be a very good um, thing follow one for people who watch this mm -hmm. video and who are thinking to themselves okay i want to get started with facebook ads let me see you know and then they can start with that that would be really lovely thank you very much thank you for sharing that so a little bit we're going to go into personal personal a little bit personal mm -hmm. stuff okay recently moved yes Yes, and you're not in the, in the sunniest day. We've been seeing pictures. <laughs> so <laughs> describe that a little bit for people that need to relocate. And I don't think I even need to say it. I think the very fact that you do this particular kind of business has made the move almost seamless. I'm going to assume here. But if, if the problems or the... Um, trying to settle down and look for a career usually is about here just mm. because you're into online business it's not literally here but absolutely you go ahead tell us a little bit about the experience and how you how settled you are I'm almost thinking there was no difference it was almost pretty, pretty much seamless. No difference. <laughs> I mean the only the only difference was probably that when I first got here the first like maybe two weeks I wasn't feeling like doing any work but because I'd already set up my business in such a way that whether I feel like doing work or I don't feel like doing work like my business is still running literally and I'm still you know selling online and all that so that adjustment window that I have didn't significantly impact the business do you mm. see what I mean mm. I mean for the for the live programs that I plan to launch maybe I, I dilly dallied a bit on those ones but I have I have my funnels running on you know on a day -to -day basis. So I had so yes you're very right in saying that I mean, the transition work-wise was quite seamless simply because I already had something doing, you know, which is what I was doing before anyway. So it's not like I needed to do a new thing. And the difference in location, in fact, I was sharing one day on my Instagram, the internet speed that I was getting one day was like 90 something MB per second in Nigeria, if I smell... <laughs> If I even get close to like what, let me say 20 MB per second, I'll probably be jubilating. <laughs> but I saw 90 something MB per second for my internet speed, 100. You know, it was crazy. People were messaging, when I put it on my stories, people were messaging me like, where are you? <laughs> How much of your business did you have to farm out to other people? Or um, and how do you pace? How did you pace yourself then? Mm. You're, you're doing this full-time so talk about mm. the time management and the delegation part of things what do you feel about that <clears throat> okay. 
So then I think one of the things that I did very early on, especially when I got a very clear direction of where I should be going, and that came with having a good coach. Um, when I got a clear sense of, okay, this is what I should be doing. This happened when I started the career coaching business, actually. When I got a good career, um, got a good business coach, I understood what activities were most important for helping me achieve my goals in the business. So, so instantly for me, it was really about cutting off so many of the things that I would normally have done. So in the previous businesses that I started, I had maybe started off with maybe first of all posting on Instagram every day, trying to decide oh what post should go on Instagram. Of course, then there's a part of okay designing the post. Since I was I had a bit of a design background, I would many times do my designs myself. Um, you know, think about the content, put it out, think about the offer, think about the promotion, all of that, all of that, all of that. But the truth is, when I got a good coach, I understood the very critical activities that I needed to move forward. So for me, I cut off a lot of waste, first of all, right? Then I began to ask myself, what could I let go of, right? So part of it was even the things that I knew I could do. But to be honest, we'll take a significant chunk of my time and I'd rather someone else do and I could afford to pay someone else to do, for instance, my designs. So I got someone else to, you know, start doing my designs for me. Um, what else? My video. So before, I probably would shoot the video um, and then I could edit by myself, you know, because I can rough it out. But I realized that getting someone to do come in and do the shoot for me and all i need to do is ask the person when is my video going to be ready or tell the person i need a video today 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 mm -hmm. but if i was the one i know i have to do my social media designs i have to edit my video before i even start talking about my offer mm -hmm. and running the ads and all of that so i literally took out the parts that i felt where i could let go of i could afford to pay for and my work became significantly faster. Plus, the quality improved. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think the key thing here for people to remember, um, I certainly, I once I didn't know, but sometimes people forget mm -hmm. that you're starting a business, and especially whether you're starting it with a nine to five or not, there is a lot of work involved in putting all the pieces together. Absolutely. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think people need to appreciate that. First of all, you have a learning curve and mm -hmm. then there is a, you need to get this done. You need to get this done. But I, I, I like what you said. It's doing the, the things that are absolutely necessary first. And that leads me on to the next question, which is getting a good coach. How do you find a good coach? Where do we start from? Uh, <laughs> one of the key things we need to look out for because uh, I'm going to I, I, I'm going to hazard a guess that you hired people that you didn't get the value you expected to get from the coaching mm -hmm. and then you got you now have somebody that you're really comfortable with how did you did you just stumble on this person or and and kind of in terms of sometimes it's come as a financial commitment to getting that kind of coach that kind of scares people so what are your thoughts on coaching and having finding a good business coach? Well, I think for me, right, if, if you look around you, like not look around you, actually, if you look in the world, you would find that the people who are like the best performers in the world, they all have coaches. So the question that the first question in your mind or the first question in the mind of someone who's listening is usually do I really need a coach? Why can't I wing it? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's Google, there's all these things, there's all this free advice, you know, hovering around. Why can't I just wing it? Why do I need a coach? But the truth is, when you look at people who have done it and done it well, you will hardly find any one of them who didn't have a coach or who didn't get to where they are with the help of a coach or who don't even still have a coach right now many of these people from the serena williams of this world mm -hmm. so just name it even all these corporate um corporate ceos many of them have coaches and as a hr person who works in um hr at you know large companies i know that many times the ceos of these companies would have a very high highly paid coach you know helping them sort through issues and all that so 
you've got to settle it in your mind. It's first a mindset thing, mm-hmm. the fact that you do need a coach. Now, the second part, which is what you were talking about, the first, which is that, how do you find a good coach? Well, it's a number of things, right? One of it is being like, um, identifying what you need from a coach. Because a coach is different from a mentor in the sense that, you know, a mentor can just be like, you know, general, you know, getting different things from a mentor, but a coach, you've got to be ultra specific on the results you want from your coach. If you actually don't know the kind of results you want from your coach, it'll be hard for you to evaluate whether the coach is giving you the value that you want or not. It can just be that each time you meet your coach or each time you encounter their materials, it feels like you're just having a good time. But by the time you go away, it's like you don't have anything tangible, right? So if you're not clear on what you're looking to, the value you're looking to get from a coach, it'll be hard for you to even evaluate different coaches and what they offer so that Mm. you can find the one that fits you typically how you decide on a coach is really by um or how you learn more about what a coach will offer is really by what you know they put out into the world so the kind of content they put out you know their style of teaching that you glean from maybe the free things that they put out and all that and sometimes you may even have to pay the ultimate price of actually getting into their program and seeing that evaluating whether or not it works for you if you have the luxury excuse me if you have the luxury of being able to connect with people who are already maybe um, 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 coaches of that particular coach, then you can sort of interview them and find out more about, you know, whether their style of teaching, their style of accountability, all of those things work for you. But sometimes you may need to just bite the bullet and experience it for yourself first. Um, for me, I discovered the coach that I currently use um, through a series of events. I'd gone through a few coaches. Of course, I'd invested quite heavily. But by the time I listened to this coach, I realized that the way that um, he put his evidence together for the things that I was looking to, the problems I was looking to solve, seemed like he was preferring his superior solution. And I wasn't disappointed when I did invest in his program. Um, on the other um, issue that you mentioned, which is around, on the other issue that you mentioned, which is around, um, you know, making that decision to invest, because investment can be quite um, like a stumbling block. But what I'll say is that many times it always seems impossible until it is done, right? If you tell yourself this this amount of money is too much to spend on a coach, trust me, your mind will never be able to work out the economics of it your mind will never be able to allow you the freedom to invest Mm. and many times if we've not really placed firmly the picture of where we are going in our minds it's very easy to get dissuaded by you know whatever current realities we're facing whatever current needs we're facing and those needs are valid but sometimes you need to sort of lift yourself or lift your eyes up above your current challenges and look very very steadfastly at the picture of where you're headed Mm. and if your coach does seem like they are able to lead you by the hand, take you through the shortest path possible to that particular destination that you're trying to get to, then for me, it makes all the difference in the world. And I would say, address your mind to it and go for it. When you get started, gradually, Mm. hopefully you see the return. Yeah, thank you. I've had fun today. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much. Like, wow. <laughs> We've learned a couple of lessons. In fact, right while you were talking again, I had two or three questions, but I'm going to leave that for today. Okay. So maybe I should ask one of them. All right. Let me ask one of them. And it's, I'm taking everybody back again, but I hope it helps somebody. And it's about, again, it's ads. Mm. Do you... You know how some people say you should test the market, you should give them a freebie so they can get uh, people on your email list. Yeah. Should you have a product ready at that point? Or do you wait to see how well the freebie goes to determine whether you create the product? Or what 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 do you think? <sighs> I know that it depends, right? <laughs> there are a lot of it depends going on today. <laughs> because really, it, I mean, it depends. Like, if you're literally just, hmm, 
if you if you can work out your offer it's the thing is it's a bit dicey to work out an offer without an audience mm. like if you have zero audience it's really difficult to work out an offer that will you know make make sense for for an audience which is why that buffer first of all getting people into your list mm. then you go through the process of researching to find out what do they really really need and then you create a product based on the feedback you get from that audience that you've built that's one way but the truth is if you already have an offer maybe you already have a very deep understanding of your audience deep enough for you to create a solid offer that can work right out of the gate i would say go ahead Yes, you can do a freebie, but immediately they come into your world, into your list, you can make your offer to them. Your product itself doesn't need to be ready. So remember that I'm talking about an offer. Mm. So if you see how the offer does, that's even a good way to test different offers, by the way. Because if you see how the offer does, you can then decide, okay, let me quickly create a product to meet up with this demand that I've created for myself. But if you see that nobody's taking the offer up, just change it to a different offer. Mm. Try and see, you know, if people take it up. Finally, when you get to an offer that people actually take up, you can then go ahead and create the product. But me, I'm not a believer in creating a product before you've validated the offer. For me, that's like a waste of a ton of effort because mm. it takes a lot to create a product. Yeah. Whether it's an online course, whatever it is, it takes quite a lot to create a product. So for me, it always makes more sense to make the offer first. See how many people take up that offer before you then go ahead and create that product. Absolutely. Makes sense. Thank you so much. No more questions. My <laughs> pleasure. Yay, we're done. <laughs> we are done. Thank you so much. Uh, yes, it was fun for me too. Just before we go, we're going to have a quick fire questions just to get to know you better. I'm just going to ask you, give you two choices and you tell me which you would pick between okay. the two choices. Okay. All right. So let's start with exercise. Uh, would you ride a bike or go for a walk? walk first of all exercising is not really my thing so like if i have to i'm like okay let me take the easiest way out i'll take a walk okay sunday morning breakfast cornflakes or yam and eggs Ash. <laughs> if it's old yam i will go with yam and eggs <laughs> if it's not old yam then cornflakes cornflakes rice or noodles hey that's tough. Hey. <laughs> That's true. <Exactly. laughs> I like both. Okay. I can't choose. Mm, okay. How about reading uh, a book or a novel? Sorry. You mean like a cool. non-fiction or um, a fiction? No, I meant to ask um, a, a book or the movie. So a Harry Potter book or the movie. <sighs> You went to Harry Potter. It's the book, of course. <laughs> <laughs> when I ask that question, I ask somebody the question. I say, why on earth would you ask me if I want to watch Game of Thrones or I want to read a book? The book and the and the movies are not. They're not on the same level. Please. <laughs> oh, like because the book is always a high level of yes. depth. Like completely agree. Yeah. I had to stop reading at a point in time in my life because I wow. was I was addicted. As in. I will pick a book and I have to finish it. I can literally say yeah. oh, reading the book. <laughs> like the world disappears mm. while you're in that book. Mm. So, absolutely. Okay, what's your favorite hobby? What's something you like to do to pass time? Mm, okay, so I like I like reading. I mean, I like I mean, the stories that I like to read. Of course, I love novels, but I the stories that I like to read, I, I really like to read about you know Christian persecution. But then I also like to read about like people who are in places that are really marginalized. So if if I can find like real stories, like biographies, autobiographies, I like them as well. Then, I mean, very lately, I've begun to enjoy, like really enjoy to the point of people around me saying that, okay, this is too much <laughs> Korean soup. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, then, like now I can I can read Korean a bit. I mean, I understand all the words, but I understand the characters, sort of know how they're put together. You know, I can I can read the words aloud. I mean, I don't know if, exactly what it means, but yeah. So yeah, Korean. So I'm glad, glad I asked that question. I couldn't have never have seen you one as somebody that reads biography and persecution. <laughs> and I, 
no, hundred percent. For me, like, um, you know how like me, the work of missionaries really, I mean, shifts my childhood a bit because my parents had all these books around. My parents were pastors, so I grew up having a lot of books in my house around Christian persecution, like you know when people write about how they they suffered in concentration camps. So I think those stories sort of drew me in. Then I also read a lot of um. Um, Christian romance fiction like um, um, Francine Rivers and the likes yeah. you know so, so those are the stories that really shaped me growing up and so even now I would of course go for a book around about you know persecution or about how people survived a country like North Korea or like very interior China mm. to like you know some other general fiction like Maybe Obama's book or something, which I've never read, by the way. <laughs> Korean movies. Yeah. I've, I've watched one on YouTube. And it was oh. really nice. But I was very upset. You know how sometimes they upload a movie on YouTube and they cut it off at the ending. So you never quite see the ending. I, oh. I was really upset. And I don't even know the name of that. So <laughs> that was what put me off, off it. But it was, yeah. I can see your attraction to it. I used to watch all those um, telenovelas. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was my thing, but again, Paloma. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. I'm I'm glad we had that conversation, and I think we all thank get you. to know you a little bit better. Um, guys, thanks for listening today. Uh, all the information about Ajoke will be in the show notes. If you want to reach out to her, you there will be links to get in touch with her wherever you're listening to this, whether it's on the podcast or on um, on uh, YouTube, all the, all the details will be there. Please take a moment to connect with her because trust me, she does give out the goods and um, do the free course she's offering because I think it'll be worth your time as well. And if you do have any questions, reach out directly, but you can also send me an email. We'll, we might bring her back to do something more for everybody if i have enough followers asking for it okay thank you so much for coming on board today my absolute pleasure my absolute pleasure thank you for having me thank you hi there thanks for listening to the podcast i hope you liked it if you did do me a favor and share subscribe or leave a review on itunes so more people can find the podcast i'd also love to hear from you so don't hesitate to leave a comment or contact me with the details um in the show notes below until the next episode see you take care bye bye